Welcome to InsureTech Insider, coming to you live from the 11FS office in WeWork London. I'm Sarah Koshansky from 11FS, and in today's show, we're looking into all things related to health insurance. We're going to talk about how tech can be used to change the status quo in this area of insurance, which many consider to be even further behind the rest of the industry when it comes to innovation. And to talk about this today, I'm joined by fantastic guests. I'm joined by Luca Schnettler, CEO and co-founder of Healthy Health. How are you today, Luca? I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Anytime. And I'm also joined by Ari Zadikov, Head of Technical Marketing at Vitality Health. How are you today, Ari? Yeah, very good. And uh, again, thanks for having me here today. Well, welcome to the show. So before we start, um, I'd like to ask you both to give me a, give us a quick summary of both the companies that you work for and um, what you do there, what your roles are. So if we start with you, Luca? Sure. I'm the co-founder of Healthy Health. Now, Healthy Health started uh, around 11 months ago, uh, and we currently have two products, and we're currently operating with several clients in free markets. Now, let me explain both products first. The first product is basically um, an individualized real-time risk profile of more than 800 probabilities for 800 different uh, medical condition, hospitalization, and to some extent mortality. Now, all based on digital data in a time frame. So what it basically tells you is it tells you, okay, based on all of those different digital data sources, you have a 23.2 whatever percentage risk of getting a given condition in a given time frame, uh, which is obviously very, very accurate. Now, the second product kind of builds upon that, where we wanted to not only identify risks, but also prevent them. Now, it looks like any other kind of health and fitness app. Uh, the uniqueness of it is that it focuses on the risks that you actually have. So there might be some situations where for a given condition you have to have completely different prevention methods than for another condition that you have a high risk of and we know the risks you have uh, and therefore can prevent them. Now we currently operate several clients in insurance, in employee benefits and within hospitals all around Europe and actually one deal in the Middle East as well. Uh, now as this is called the InsureTech Insider, <laughs> maybe it's best to, to keep it at the, uh, at the insurance level where we basically reduce the cost of underwriting where if you look at examples for applications, you have around 70, 75% of them getting a direct quote, uh, and then 25% of them having um, kind of a, a further medical examination, which has an average cost of around 100, 104 pounds, right? Now, if you actually can have a person click and share their data instantly, which gives them an exact risk profile of all of those conditions over time, you basically reduce the need for those further medical examinations by, you know, one to five percent which is a huge cost saving and it's a you know a faster sign up for the insurance applicants which is obviously a kind of a customer acquisition point so that's what we do in insurance um, related brilliant very comprehensive thank you so much and Ari how about you I currently work at uh, Vitality Health as as mentioned uh, Vitality Health is part of the discovery group of companies um, effectively started in South Africa about 20 to 25 years ago with the the big um, innovation being the Vitality Wellness Program itself, being a, a kind of incentive-based health promotion program that started off quite basically as a tie-in with a gym chain in South Africa, and uh, we were giving uh, huge discounts to, to members and potential members, and it has evolved exponentially over the last 20 years to become one of the most advanced programs in the world. We've got partnerships now. I think we announced the other day our 19th country, um, launching in Japan with partnering with Sumitomo, somewhere around the 
12 to 15 million customers worldwide. So it's, it's really grown quite significantly. I head up technical marketing for, for the function. I'm often asked, what exactly is technical marketing? Um, it's a tricky one to explain uh, briefly, but ultimately what what we tend to be is, is the link between the product development side of our teams, which are the more technically focused, often actuarial focused um, skill sets in our companies, to the sales and distribution, to the end marketing, to to training, and forming the connection between those two worlds, helping translate these often quite complex products, especially when you lay, start layering in a whole range of behavioral type elements to the product, to a world of people selling the product, engaging with the product, um, being able to understand it. And we try form the link between those two worlds effectively. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much, both of you, for joining me. Um, let's get started with our roundtable discussion. So I'd like to start with the problems there are in the health insurance industry. So, Luke, obviously, you, you have created a startup. You obviously think that there's a gap that needs to be filled. And I would say that, you know, no insurance uh, industry is completely perfect. So I imagine even Vitality Health are aware of that. So, you know, what are the, what are the main problems you've seen? Um, I don't know who wants to go first. You know, I think there's as in any industry, um, several problems. Uh, let me touch on, on, on one of them where I'm kind of directly involved in, uh, and that's how we, we kind of underwrite uh, potential applicants. Now, funnily enough, yesterday I was sitting with, with one of our clients, one of the big reinsurers, and you know, I was asking a little bit of how we can implement it within their current existing practices a little bit more. And then he said, ah, you know what, it would be great for, for your data scientist to read. And he hands me this this big big you know old book where some of the pages fall out <laughs> about a physical book we're a, talking a about physical yeah, okay. book yes in fact funnily enough my uh, data scientist uh, team afterwards said oh do you have the pdf of that uh, <laughs> online as well which we couldn't find and in this book uh, i don't want to say something wrong but somewhere like the actuarial models that were built i think it was 1919 or somewhere around the, this kind of area where, where where they've all been you know built and they work really well uh, and the insurers obviously make money with those systems but I think there's a huge need for that to be kind of uh, to be made more precise and instead of just looking at, at, at group risk to go a little bit more deeper and actually see okay you know let's reward the people who are actually healthy and let's make the people who are not healthy you know try to be healthy and, and let's try to engage them so I think actually the mathematical risks of kind of grouping people making that more precise and putting that together with you know a relevant engagement and a personalized engagement uh, platform i think the one of the big main things that's yet to come and, and starting to be uh, kind of uh, implemented by insurers like Vitality, I think. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, if I had anyone so complimentary, <laughs> like, like my business. Um, Ari, did you want to, to comment on that? Yeah, I'd agree quite a bit with uh, what Luca was saying. I mean, ultimately, there's global challenges that are, that are facing all health insurers around the world. The, the market itself and kind of societies have evolved so much since that, uh, since that book was first penned. So, you know, naturally, there are going to be lots of challenges. I mean, probably the biggest one we face and we try to unpack is just the evolution of of sickness if you will i mean a hundred years ago the the biggest challenges were infectious diseases and through the you know the advancements of healthcare and uh, and and research and technology within healthcare we were able to overcome a lot of those diseases but now we're left in a in a, in a world where we're seeing a much people are living longer but they in most cases living living sicker lives and people uh, are grappling with disease of, of lifestyle these days you know smoking uh, poor nutrition physical inactivity and these are the main challenges 
we're, we're trying to deal with and how do we kind of a provide health care for these people for for our customers for for society potentially as a whole and and in addition how do we actually make people healthier given everything that we know about them i mean that's global challenges naturally each country will have its own individual challenges to to the funding of healthcare and the provision of healthcare for example you know i've i've worked in several markets in south africa we've got a we don't have as significant a public healthcare system such as the nhs where private healthcare is pretty much as we'd call cradle to grave mm-hmm. and covers everything you know from from acute care to chronic care whereas here in in the uk you're dealing with slightly different different provision of healthcare where it's more about access to sort of more convenient uh, supplementary to supplementary, basic. Yes, yeah. exactly. So within that, you've got different challenges such as taxes, such as rising costs. Obviously, advancements in medical technology have a, have a knock-on impact on costs. So you are, you, you're dealing with a host of different challenges, which does make for also an exciting uh, day-to-day life for, for us. So, so, I mean, I think, um, I hope that both of you would agree that technology is helping you solve these problems and it's, and it's transforming the, well, it, it has the potential to transform the health insurance industry. Are there any particular areas? You kind of touched on two, uh, various different things there. We talked about data, maybe um, distribution interfaces, you know, talking about encouraging behaviour. There's obviously ways now people have phones in their pockets yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, so is there anywhere particular that sort of uh, where, where technology is making a big difference in this particular industry. One example for us is just the way our customers interact with our products. As I've said, I mean, we've, we've almost flipped the engagement that a traditional insurer would have with its customer. You know, traditionally, a, me- a customer would take a product, hopefully not claim in a, not use it, and then uh, at the anniversary of the product, renew it or whatever. And so you're not actually engaging with them. We're now in a world where we where we want to engage with customers. We want our, our members to get out there, be healthy, link wearable devices. We don't need to get into the detail as to how enormous that market is is and how it's growing ever faster. But you know, we've got a program currently called Active Rewards, where we give members a weekly physical activity target for them to to reach. And if they if they hit that target, they get a, um, a Starbucks voucher and a cinema voucher. So you're now dealing with members on a weekly basis. They're opening their app. They're opening apps in the morning. Hopefully they're looking at their, their Vitality app. They're using their apps to kind of get their awards. That, I mean, on the one hand is brilliant and the type of engagement we look for. And uh, technology has has really allowed for this to happen that uh, people are engaging with their health pretty much 24 7. I I think that that's really correct but there's one thing I I would add to this and this is where I think a lot of the bigger insurers have not put as much effort in. I mean you guys really realize that lifestyle has a huge impact on it Uh, you know on someone's mortality on someone's general you know lifestyle I'd say this way or how they live their life but I think what really is important to put on top of that are all of the different other kind of data sources that you can now you know kind of realize and put into action that actually have i would say even some of them have much more impact than than your lifestyle so we for example take uh, you know next to the lifestyle part we take social emotional data into context now social emotional is arguably one of the biggest 
so-called killers, right, in, in later life. Because if you're lonely, you kind of, you know, you, you, lose the, you lose the will to live longer and all of that impacts on your life expectancy. So I think this is one, one really important data source that one has to include and not just the lifestyle part. Another part is medical, um, you know, medical data. Now, medi- medical reports are getting much, much more digitized. You know, the NHS is moving in that direction. Apple is starting. Slowly but surely on slowly, the NHS. Yeah, slowly. <laughs> uh, you know, Apple is doing all of those trials with the uh, hospitals in the US. And so if you have all of this data available, what we try to do is not just focus on the livestock component, but also try to have all of those other, you know, kind of all of these other data sources that if the user wants to share with us, we can, you know, we can integrate and benefit from. Absolutely, fully agree. And uh, we actually do focus a lot on integrating a lot of these data sources as well. For example, uh, you know, Vitality GP is one is one example of this uh, virtual GP consultations that provides doctors with access to both members medical history with the medical records linking it to their lifestyle uh, behaviors I mean we're exploring more avenues as the program develops uh, one area we're looking at it expanding is into mental well-being and how you how you incorporate those elements and technology will allow for that um, exactly as you're saying with the, these things are just going to be as uh, they're going to be easily accessible as we as we continue. So, so that kind of you know what we covered there a lot of that is is uh, you know you say lifestyle um, and you know um, social and emotional well being and, and getting access to these new data sources. What about for people who who have pre existing conditions? So there has obviously been it's obviously been harder I would say or if not harder but more expensive for those people to get health insurance. You know depending on where you are in the world, there's obviously different. Um, uh, safety nets there um, but what I'd, I'd really like to know is like can technology help you serve those people better than previously so obviously you know technology can help you serve everybody better you can get a better underwriting model but what about if I'm somebody who has previously had to pay extortionate premiums just to get healthcare because I have I don't know xyz type of condition is, is it helping you target and serve new demographics I think to an extent it does now I'm so what what, what our company doesn't do any um, you know treatment so we only do risks basically so if someone has a condition then we're kind of a little bit out of the picture right so what we try to do is you know identify conditions before they happen and then prevent them now there is however a large kind of correlation uh, between existing conditions and risks for other conditions now we do actually do this a little bit more in in hospitals uh, so for example one of the deals we're currently uh, working on is with a hospital uh, in Germany where actually they see that one of their main costs for, uh, for their whole um, expenditure is based on secondary disease development, which means you might have a given disease, you go into a hospital, and we're currently focusing that mainly on sepsis, and then within that, you develop sepsis, right? Which prolongs your stay for three, uh, you know, three times, and the hospital spends much more money. So therefore, if you can actually identify, okay, because of this disease that you already have, you have given risks for this and this and this and this disease, or um, accelerated risk for this and this and this disease, we can then actually implement much more effective preventative methods, which in the end can help to, you know, you not having those secondary diseases and getting low insurance premiums and having an overall, you know, kind of better and healthier life, I would say. Um, but obviously, if you have a disease, it's, you know... It's a different a different product yes, to the one you offer. Way, yeah. yeah. How, how about you, Ari? Let's take it one step further first and, and say, how is the technology kind of helping impact on kind of your premiums going forward what we can do now is is do these sorts of things so um, regardless of your condition or a claim that you make assuming you you, you now have uh, have the health insurance based on your health engagement tracked through uh, you know 
using the technology that we that, that we have and can can actually see how you engage with the program, we can help manage your premiums going forward. And this is one of the things we do on an individual basis. So that's obviously evolved over time. Do we do it currently on on underwriting? We we don't. We don't have the the kind of the expertise and and the available yet to to help impact. To, to allow us to, to impact on at the underwriting stage. But I don't think it's technology alone. I mean, there's various things to come into play that uh, can help guide that. So, I mean, you could look at regulation and how what the rules are about underwriting and, and, and risk pricing. You know, particularly in this type of environment in the UK, given the extreme price competitiveness, given that it is a risk-rated environment, all insurers will rely heavily on the underwriting but there there definitely is a place for 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 technology to to be used um, to improve that i can't see any insurer that uh, wouldn't want to want to make use of that I mean, and, and, and sort of what you, you touched on, both of you there, was so what's interesting to me is, and, and you mentioned earlier about using Fit, uh, Fitbits or Apple Watches or mm. anything like that, and, and you're talking about, you know, hospital data and medical data. Whenever we talk about something like health insurance and life insurance, it becomes very personal, quite emotional. It reminded me of them about regulation, talking about the ethics of using this kind of data and how how ethical it is or, or, or how, how differently you have to handle this kind of data to, say, how I drive my car or where my house is? <laughs> I, I think there's a, there's a few things. First of all, the data that you need to be able to say, okay, I want to share this data or I do not want to share this data, right? So this is the first thing. Now, obviously, you know, I'm sure within Vitality, you have a lot of different, uh, you know, measures to be to make sure that, uh, you know, the data is kept secure the same way that we do. Uh, but then if you look uh, kind of a, a part, the kind of, kind of data security and hacking problems, I think the main thing that we try to do is if you can change something about your situation, then it is only fair to, you know, to kind of use that data and adjust, for example, your premium. So, you know, one of the most obvious examples there is if you are a smoker, you know, you choose to smoke. Okay, well, that, you know, you have to also look at the insurer that it paints their risk. So therefore, it's your choice and that should impact your price. Similarly, if you have a person who makes a, who does a lot of physical activity, who chooses to eat very healthy, which obviously is an effort, right, they should benefit from that right now then obviously you come into the area where okay what if people can't change anything about the situation and then i think that's actually something that needs to be worked on a lot and i think there's also a a, a big of a, a bit of a market gap there where okay it's quite clear to say okay if you don't do those steps per day right you should have a higher premium than someone who does more steps but what about you are a completely healthy 35 year old woman okay on paper right and you could on paper do a lot of physical activity you could eat really healthy you could spend a lot of time with your friends increase your social activity and everything but we might not know that you are a single mother with three kids which therefore does not enable you to do all of those three things so now i think actually there's the point where if we can market or if we can bring across to people the more data you share the more you will actually or your situation will be represented fairer then that is a very powerful thing instead of just thinking, okay, if I share less data, they will, you know, uh, you know, make my premium higher or low. I think it's, it's much more to bring across the message, okay, if you share more, then you're going to get judged very fairly on that. How do you, I mean, and this is a question for you as well, Ari, how do you handle the fact that you're telling people that their premiums might go up? 
because of that so if okay so it's fine but if I don't tell you I haven't got kids then my premium will be lower and you're never going to find out because I only interact with you via a website or an app which is how you interact with all insurers now not just insure techs I mean you very rarely go into a broker and speak to them so how would you how would you approach that well for us there's a lot of economic behavioral principles behind that for example we try to make uh, less effort for people so that's our key selling argument so to go back to the 75 25 percent example if you're within this 25 percent and you've got to have some further medical examination nobody likes to take out the time to go to the doctor or the doctor come to them take their blood blah 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 so if, if we go to those people and say okay look you can have all of this procedure done or you just share your data and you might not have to do all of this in fact there's a 95 or 94 percent chance that you don't have to do through this and you're still going to get insured most people will actually choose that route Similarly, if you have an application where instead of filling out 17, 20, 30 questions, having to get a call back, you literally just share your data and that's it and you get a policy issued. That's much more effective and, and powerful for people to use. Carrots rather than sticks. Mm. Yeah, but it's their, it's, it's their choice. If they <laughs> yeah. don't want to do it, they should always have the ability to go through the traditional route. Okay. If they don't feel comfortable, because some yeah. people don't. And and uh, the GDPR gods would also like us to, to point out uh, that at yes. any point <laughs> you can withdraw your data. Harry, what are your thoughts on this one? Kind of trying to think back to the the the, what the source ethics of the around question? using personal okay. data and how how yeah. you can get around it being such a personal and and you know emotional yeah. data set. Uh, sure. I think the key thing is not to inhibit those who wouldn't want to share from accessing the 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 value of the product the the ultimate underlying product and to not discriminate against them for choosing not to i'm going to say share their data but i i mean particularly in our case there's there's sort of layers in between it's not the it's kind of the the engagement that we're looking for and there's sort of a gamification element there i suppose as well as correct kind of I mean, get your steps every day and we'll give you a voucher <laughs> correct and that, and that's how, how we like to engage our members i mean we do have different structures based on the, the, the design of each uh, of the different types of rewards we have within the program. But ultimately, in terms of uh, the underlying product, it's, it's much more of a carrot versus a stick. So go, going back to the example I mentioned earlier, in terms of renewal increases. So let's say we've got you know two people, one of them to answer in short doesn't share their data and doesn't technically then engage with the the program in terms of a healthier lifestyle then for example the one element where we do flex the premium based on engagement their flex if they for example didn't make a claim would be zero percent so they wouldn't be impacted but those that do engage with the program and and engage kind of to the maximum can reduce that element of the premium by up to three percent so you can see in that case you know there's options to lose (laughs) you've got nothing to lose we encourage you to to actually engage in your health and and yeah Uh, and one thing to add on on top of this as well is actually to sum it up in 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 two sentences really hopefully is two sentences now (laughs) is the person should always be, or the, the user or the applicant should always be in control of what data they share, first thing. So we shouldn't try to, you know, I don't know, access their friend's data on top of it <laughs> or something like that. And then second of all, they should always know for what the data is really used uh, for. And in fact, this actually helps the insurer and the software companies as well, because that makes people much more comfortable sharing their data. Because instead of us just saying, okay, you know, share your social media data, share your, I don't know, Spotify data, share your steps and everything. Uh, Instead of just saying that, say, you know, share your walking and steps because this is what we're going to do with it helps them to actually understand and helps them to be much more comfortable with sharing their data. Because in the end, it's very similar to filling out a questionnaire. It's just that you do it instantly. You have no hassle and you don't have to 
do all of this complicated stuff around it. It's simplifying the process. So with that in mind, um, and what you, you both talked about there is that, that greater engagement, that greater level of, of access to data enables you to, to price products better and give products a, a better suited and, and more personalized, if you like. How does that um, compare with some of the, you know, I think the, the, we talk about this a lot on this show, but a lot of people buy their insurance on Compare the Market or Money Supermarket or other comparison sites are available. And they do tend to go for the cheapest one. Is that something that is true of healthcare? Because I, I, I don't don't know if it's I mean whilst I might get my holiday insurance or my car insurance the cheapest one possible is that true of healthcare and if it is true of healthcare are people actually getting a policy that's sort of relevant to them or, or is it a lot of the time it's not really worth doing I mean the short answer is is yes you know it's extremely price competitive in in the healthcare space particularly in the UK again because there is an alternative because it is a supplementary product and, and and this is one of the biggest challenges we face at Vitality is to showcase not only the price of our products but actually the value that members can access from the product and that, that's the big challenge we we face on a continuous basis so so for example I think roughly one in five members claim from traditional PMI private medical insurance <laughs> products <laughs> you got that before me I was going to make you explain so, you know, one in five people are actually utilizing the product that they're buying. We're, with Vitality and the engagement that we try and encourage, uh, we're actually seeing this number grow to over three in five members are actually gaining some benefit from engaging in their, their product, whether it be utilizing the product for when they need to make a claim, which is obviously justifiable and something we want, we offer, and we, we but, but actually just being rewarded on a day-to-day basis for living a healthy lifestyle. So they are unlocking value more than just in cases when they need to make a claim. And that's the, the big challenge we need to face, especially in a super price-sensitive market. It's funny, though, actually, because if you think about it, shouldn't it be the other way around where actually when there's a, a system that you can go to for free, shouldn't it be that if you actually want to pay for a uh, PMI, now everybody knows what it means, <laughs> yeah. then um, should we look for the ones that are more quality? Because if you don't want that high of a quality, you could just go, you know, to the NHS, yeah. which anyway has, a, I guess, a good quality. Uh, then, but, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's but, when, I mean, we should point out as well that when we're looking at the UK market and you're looking for, for private medical insurance, a lot of it is, as we said, speed, um, cosmetics, or sort of if you need yeah. something done, you can have... I don't know. If I remember, this is a chart like a white filling rather than a grey filling in your tooth, that kind of thing. So it's it's it, that's an interesting point, actually. Do you, especially, especially you, Ari, yeah. because you've, you've seen other markets, but I imagine you're working in other countries as well, mm. Luca. Do you see different sorts of claims depending on where people are? Do you see people in the UK claiming more for sort of less essential procedures? Or uh, I just I'm just interested on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean that one purely because what the products, uh, what governs the regulation of the product. Uh, in the UK, the big drivers are cancer claims, uh, musculoskeletal claims, so your physios, your... Um, Massages and, and chiropractors and things. Those sorts of well things. Of that, isn't it? Mental health is, is, is growing um, as, as it's becoming more recognised. And we're seeing actually quite a bigger movement towards primary care usage. So uh, because of technology and things such as uh, our virtual GP service, we've seen a growth over the past three years of about 30% of, of people actually using virtual GP consultations and being comfortable with using those And those so that's things. literally, instead of booking an appointment with my doctor, I go into an app, book an appointment, and I speak to them over the phone exactly. or Skype or similar. Exactly, exactly, which um, which people are, are five years ago would have just felt alien, but now people are actually accepting that this is, uh, this is you know, acceptable and, and easy to do and it's, it's going 
going to gain even greater traction as it's taken up by, you know, the NHS is starting to look at these sorts of things. I mean, if you look at South Africa, it's a completely different market. As I say, you're covering everything. You're covering chronic conditions. You're covering emergency. You, you know, maternity is going to be a huge driver for, for, for claims there. An awful concept to me, being very British, but I do understand it makes your job very different. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's it's interesting the the reason for purchase and and again, kind of showcasing the value of the product is very different. And uh, you know, and we we obviously feel there is uh, kind of great value for for members to actually gain from it. Yeah, but and I guess also the the point to to what we were speaking about before as well is that I think and I think Vitality is proving that point as one of the main insurers in the UK is that you can now attract a lot of new customers, especially young customers, by adding kind of gadgets on top of it i mean you do it with your uh, with the apple watch so just um, to explain that so you get an apple watch if you do an, um, how does it work what's that effectively you're able to earn it for free uh, not for free based on the, the the targets you reach on a month-to-month basis effectively play pay zero each month over a 24-month period by hitting your targets so, so an attractive value added correct so you um you are kind of appealing to a new demographic potentially a demographic that might not have been interested in in health insurance before but interestingly enough what we found from our data is that it's not just you know people often think oh it must just be the young the super fit the super healthy that are engaging with it and it's not not the case at all i mean people cross the board are attractive by the benefit and it's not as i say it's not just the super healthy ones we see almost identical results in, in terms of engagement in terms of usage in terms of um sustained behavior change and actually in terms of improved health outcomes and I'm, I'm saying even basic metrics such as BMI reductions or uh, you know cholesterol blood pressure reductions across the board for a kind of at risk healthy very high kind of high risk members engaging in the in the apple watch for example i think on top of that the good thing is so we one of our partners for example is garmin and we've actually just just closed a deal with them in employee benefit space but with one of the large um, utilities company and we actually see here that they have a larger uptake once you give like one of those gadgets to it because if you tell someone okay you know you can use this and this and and and, and you know you share your and actually it's also a point for people to feel more comfortable sharing the data because if they get you know a hardware device of high quality like Garmin for you know zero pounds where it normally would have cost what 130 150 pounds they they you know they tend to first of all engage with the program initially more then it then it's down to the application to keep them engaged but it gives this first kind of push uh, and then as well as that um enables us kind of to let the consumers feel more comfortable sharing sharing their data uh, and for us to use that to you know kind of give them preventative actions towards their it, risk. It feels a lot easier. So I'm, I'm sitting here with a Fitbit around my wrist just for, for people who obviously it's a podcast. It feels a lot easier to just sort of say, okay, well, here, see my app than it does to type in. I walk approximately 10 miles oh, yeah. a day and I, I eat approximately 1,200 calories or Nobody whatever it is that. you do. I, mean, I wouldn't yeah. even know if the Fitbit yeah. didn't tell me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I completely see the appeal. So just to sort of, you know, bring us, uh, wrap us up here. Um, what what is what is the future of health insurance here? So how what, what's next? So we've talked a lot about data. We've talked about gadgets. We've talked about ethics and sharing you know what maybe is the next big thing for you guys or that you you can either say the next big thing for you guys or you can say the next big thing you'd like to see happen or you think it's going to happen i I will make one prediction (laughs) so let's check back in 10 years in 10 years i think it's going to be 15 10 15 years i think it's going to be normal 
for you when you apply for you know health health or life insurance really now you know you have to fill in a questionnaire and you have to answer certain questions about your medical history about your smoking history all of that kind of stuff right and i believe that in the future it will come that it will be necessary in order to get a health or life insurance quote or actual contract to share your digital data i think that's one of the big things that's going to happen really uh, and i think that the insurer will move more from a kind of you buy this product you hope you'll never use it uh, and let's not talk to you know how can we help you be more healthy and to engage more with your health and really to have a more of a kind of a channel between you know the customer and the provider or the supplier in that sense the a, a deeper being, relationship a deeper relationship yes and I, and i think actually that will be a positive impact for both the you know the user because they will get a you know a better health outcome out of it and for the insurer because i think uh, it will enable them to become from one of the you know least trusted industries with <laughs> banks ever <laughs> to actually being you know kind of on the side of the consumer brilliant and how about you ari i mean there's so much happening mm-hmm. the 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 rate of innovation is just remarkable i mean if if we look at kind of even vitality's journey in terms of what we were doing five ten years ago in terms of devices little step counter you'd clip on your on your trousers and kind old of, school pedometers <laughs> exactly uh, you, you know I, I think it's it's just going to become more and more personal and, and and from a positive perspective so for example medication is going to become more personal you know if we if we look at our world i know our biggest challenge is you know people are innately irrational you know they, <laughs> we, we know kind of from behavioral economics from from kind of the development of our program that people they want to be healthy they know they kind of well they know being healthy is good i mean people get that but it's it's hard it's hard to you know whatever our lifestyles indicate uh, you know you have the example of kind of the mother with three kids you know you know might not be a choice but a circumstance you know it's not think, her priority it's yeah. not her priority it's kind of it's much easier and much more fun to kind of sit around have a have a chocolate it's it's harder to sort of engage in your health and see the benefits in the future and i, th- I think we we recognize it and we know that we're all sort of have this element of irrationality but in the future as things become more personalized i think it w- will be able to to help people on a much more detailed and, uh, and kind of personal level so for example i don't know let's take the 10,000 steps as an example you know there, there's a lot of research as to why that level is at that level but perhaps for me it's 5,000 steps perhaps in a day and then kind of next week it's 6,000 for you it's 10,000 etc etc and i think we'll be in a world where we'll be able to do sort of real good on uh, I'm sure there's a better way of saying that, but real good on on both a care side, on a health side, and hopefully be a force for good, as you say. More more realistic goals for everybody. So rather than just saying you have to eat 10 10 portions of fruit and veg a day and run five miles and give up smoking and drinking and everything else. And I think that's actually really important and where we've done a little bit of research in. And and one example I like to give there always is if you have, for example, an alcoholic, right? If you tell an alcoholic who drinks a bottle of vodka every day to, you know, stop drinking it's the least helpful thing you can do rather say i don't know switch to a healthier vodka for for a month then drink only half then drink quarter and go down and down down so i think that part of 
personalization, which is enabled through data in the end, will actually help the consumer. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you both for a fabulous discussion. Where can our listeners find out more about you? So do you have a website, a Twitter handle, something you'd like to share with us? Uh, Luca, do you like to go first? Sure. Um, uh, you can find myself, uh, Luca, L-U-C-A Schnettler, S-C. H-N-E-T-T-L-E-R <laughs> on uh, LinkedIn. That's a German name, by the way. Uh, or the website uh, from Healthy Health, uh, www.healthyhealth.uk or just on LinkedIn. Perfect. And how about you, Ari? I'll be on LinkedIn, Vitality's uh, uh, online, vitality.co.uk. Make sure you get that right. <laughs> I mean, you you probably see our, our Dushant running around everywhere, our pink branding everywhere. So uh, hopefully you've seen us, but yeah, we I've seen the rugby. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find me at Sarah Kashansky on Twitter. Next up, I caught up with Yashish Daya, CEO of Policy Bazaar at MoneyConf back in June. Let's hear from him now. I'm Sarah Kashansky and welcome to InsureTech Insider Interviews. I'm here with Ashish from Policy Bazaar at MoneyConf in Dublin. How are you today, Ashish? Very well, thank you. Um, So if we could start by you giving me a little bit of an overview about what Policy Bazaar is, what you guys do um, and what your role is there. Sure. So I started Policy Bazaar about 10 years ago. And uh, essentially, we started off as a comparison site, which would compare products for insurance companies. Mm -hmm. But we are getting a lot deeper into the service and uh, the claims assistance site. Uh, So doing more and more functions of what largely you would associate an insurance company to be doing. We're also, uh, we recently announced we're getting involved in, uh, uh, in healthcare per se. And uh, the primary reason for that would be because uh, insurance is such a small component of healthcare in India that it just makes sense to, uh, to kind of look at insurance from a healthcare angle rather than look at it from uh, from a health insurance perspective only. So um, can you give me a little bit more insight into what, what you'll be doing there? What kind of services will you be offering? Well, the first thing we're offering is a free uh, calling service for anybody in India in any language uh, to talk to a doctor uh, as a kind of first point of call. And you can imagine, you know, doctors are not very spread out in the country. There are lots of remote locations. Even where uh, in, in cities like Delhi, where you have a lot of doctors, it's not easy to get appointments. Uh, there's traffic, there's all that kind of stuff. So for minor first call, you can call somebody and uh, there would be a qualified doctor who would advise you on the next steps or if it's something you know, that needs a next step or not, if it needs a next step. Uh, and they are doing it. It's not policy without doing it. So these people are sort of on, it's like a platform okay. which, is, which is being provided. I think the next step is, post this, most people uh, tend to use some kind of medical facility about seven to eight times a year. Okay. Something. It could be for a fever, it could be for a malaria, it could be for whatever. And for that, they need outpatient services. Today, there's nothing in the country that provides for these outpatients. So we will be having a subscription model where you pay roughly $3 to $4 a month and uh, you get uh, you know, unlimited access to outpatient services. This does not include hospitalization. For hospitalization, you already have insurance. We would be covering this through these services. Typically, these services are not very expensive. Each uh, visit to a doctor would cost you roughly about six, seven dollars. So for the year, it balances out. Yeah. But it's just that you kind of, you know, you, you pay a subscription rather than you pay as, as one time. In addition to this, you can always take the insurance. What we're also doing is putting our staff in hospitals in about uh, 2,000 hospitals across the country. Okay. 
where if you came in, they would handle all the claims related documentation and liaison work with the hospital. So they'd fill in the paperwork for you. They would, so they would do everything. Yeah, that. so yeah. you don't have to, because insurance does tend to be a cumbersome thing. And while we do want to automate this, our view is the consumer is not willing to engage with that automation. Right. Right up front. You still need a human there you at the first point of contact. You need a human being as a first point of contact. And then what we would be doing over time is whatever this human being is doing, we would automate it. Let's at least learn what, what all the human being has to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, just putting a screen out there and saying, okay, start interacting. Acting yeah. with it would be a would be a high demand ask. I imagine it would also be um, it takes some of the stress away if you're ill or your child is ill. You don't want to be dealing with paperwork. <laughs> That's the last thing you want in your mind. Mm -hmm. You basically want to make sure that you have a person whom you can trust, who makes sure you get the best facility at the hospital. Your medicals are paid for through insurance. If insurance for some reason does not cover certain diseases. They have an on-demand on loan available. You would be surprised in India about three-fourths of all personal borrowings. There are a lot of personal borrowings yep. because of health reasons. Oh, really? So to cover healthcare? Yeah. Wow. So basically what this would then provide is, uh, well, if there is such a, such a requirement, you get an immediate loan at a you know, decent EMI. You can pay it over time. Or you get, so insurance as well as funding would both be available uh, to anybody using healthcare. I think that's the way to go about it rather than tell people, okay, just take it health insurance. So, so we're just kind of changing tack a bit in that. And I guess in that sense as well, you're providing what we would call value-added services. So it's not just an insurance policy, but it's yeah. the con point of contact, the telephone calls. Absolutely. The, the, the telephone calls are all free. It is the, the, the point of co contact is for our customer. And uh, the uh, outpatient services you can use on a pay-as-you-go basis or you can, you, you can take a subscription. And how do people interact with Policy Bazaar? Do you have an app? Is it online? Is yeah, it, we have, we have, we, we've got all the models. So you can kind of come via an app. You can come via a website. You can come via a mobile site. You can kind of call us. Most people, about 60% of the transactions, uh, maybe 50% of the transactions, still prefer to talk. So in India, it's, uh, you know, people mm -hmm. like to speak. So voice search is a big thing. Mobile is a big thing. So people like to speak. And everybody has a, uh, a mobile phone, whether it's a smartphone or not, most people have Most some people phone. have a smartphone actually now. Okay, yeah. So uh, when my father changed to a smartphone, that time I knew the country has changed. <laughs> Modernization <laughs> is here. Modernization is here. So do you just operate in India for now or do you operate in other job We have an operation in Dubai. Okay. But it has to be understood we have no intentions of international expansion. Mm -hmm. That is only because Dubai has a very significant Indian population mm -hmm. who all cannot stay on in Dubai. They have to come back to India. All their, now, when you talk about health insurance, life insurance, all of these are long-term products. So the moment you t start talking about pensions and health insurance, you do need somebody who's going to be there when you're 70. Now, when you're going to be 70, you won't be in Dubai, you would be in India. <laughs> so they so, bring the product back. So you might as well buy a product from India, even that though you're sense. in Dubai. And uh, the second thing is, it doesn't cost a lot, if it's a serious illness, to fly to India Steve from finds. Dubai. It's, it's not that expensive. It's a two-hour flight, right? And uh, you've got the best of hospitals mm -hmm. here. So you can always take a health insurance plan from here even when you're living in Dubai. So there's a lot of thinking of that sort that's behind it. Uh, I wouldn't call it an international expansion per se. So we are just we are largely selling Indian products to... To Indian people. Indian people. We, our, our, cli our clientele in Dubai is not the non-Indians. That's really interesting. So actually, and I guess the point being that you've got a very large market in India. There's no real need to go outside for, for, to make sure your market's good. Somebody clarified this to me. They said, if you look 10 years out or 20 years out or whatever period out, and we yeah. are all, we're all kind of in these businesses that are looking outwards, yeah. right? All of Southeast Asia put together is half the size of India. So <laughs> You've got enough people to run a business. enough people to run a business. So there's no point just for the heck of it starting a Vietnam and a Thailand and in Indonesia and in Malaysia and XYZ, all those populations put together are half of the Indian population. So you you know might as well just focus in one place and kind of do it really well in one place. Brilliant. Sort of.
my view. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, with a country that big, you can scale yeah. very quickly. Um, and so my question, uh, my final question is, what's next? So you've just, just launched the health products. You announced that this I week. I think the, the integration and the delivery of the health product mm -hmm. with, the, with the entire will keep us busy for the next two years. And I think with, we have two years to think about what what's company? next. Uh, there's a lot going on at the company right now. Mm -hmm. There is this whole healthcare piece that's going on. There's a lot of product innovation that's going on, which typically a distributor doesn't need to do. But the moment you look at the underbelly of insurance, it's usually the distributor who comes to the insurer and says, look, there is a customer out there. He has this particular need, so I need this particular product. Mm -hmm. yes. And that's been the case for the last few hundred years. And uh, so we're doing pretty much the same thing. We're creating products for the consumer with the help of our insurance partners. So you don't underwrite any insurance yourself? We don't underwrite it, but at the same time, we uh, do advise on the pricing. We do advise on the product uh, features. We do advise on the product functionality. We are willing to put our neck on the line in terms of adverse loss ratios. So if we have adverse loss ratios, yeah. our commissions go down. If we have better loss ratios, we, our commissions go up. So we're willing to do all of that. Yeah. So we're willing to behave like a quasi-insurance company true partner rather than just I'll take my percentage and I don't care about what business you get. I want to be responsible for the volume of business I do, the claims ratios, mm -hmm. as well as the lapsation of my business. So all three, yeah. rather than just, just the volume and just... I get my money and rest is your yeah. problem. That's not that's not our model. That's that's not how to build a full stack business either, I no, imagine. That's no, just an old model recreated yeah. with a mobile phone. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So we about seventy percent of the products we sell on our site mm -hmm. are created by us. So you spotted a need or a demographic. We spotted a need. We may have spotted a need and got it fulfilled by five insurance companies with slight different variations. But the genesis of the product creation was us. And the proof of that would be about 70% of what we sell is only uniquely available only on the policy with our platform. You know, so-called competition would have access to those products also. Mm -hmm. Because we, we sort of part own the IP along with the insurance. You negotiated with the insurer to create that product in the first place. In the first place. place. So, and it was created uniquely for us. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank Yish. you. Um, I hope you've had a brilliant conference. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of InsureTech Insider. Thank you so much to all my guests. As always, you can find the show on Twitter at InsureTech Insiders. And if you like what you've heard this week, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and do leave us a review on iTunes. They help us an awful lot. If you have any suggestions or feedback, please reach out on Twitter or email podcast at 11fs.com.